Hey guys, so glad you're watching or listening to this sermon. I'm Pastor Mark, welcome. So glad you're part of this. If you wanna give to the ministry, we are seeing people meet Jesus all around the world and we're super excited about it. The mission continues even during this crazy moment we're in as a world. Hopefully you are doing well. You can give to the ministry at thisisvillagechurch.com slash give. We would so appreciate it. Thank you so much for being part of what we're doing. The other thing is we want you to be able to get community. So go to This Is Village Church church.com slash groups. That's where you're going to actually join a community group anywhere in the world. Do it over Zoom. We provide you with curriculum. We want you to actually move from just listening or watching content to actually engaging and becoming part of the church. So glad you were part of this. Thanks guys. Have a great week. God bless you. Hey, Village Church. It's an honor and a privilege uh, to be able to spend some time with you today. I'm so thankful for my friends, uh, Pastor Mark and Aaron Clark, the three beautiful girls and what God is doing through them and through you all. And I just want you to know uh, that it's not normal what God continues to do uh, through Village Church, uh, not only in Canada, but around the world. I wish I could be with you in person, uh, but because of the restrictions and because of everything that's going on, uh, we're not able to be there. We have family uh, right there in Langley. My wife is from uh, the greater mainland, and we miss the opportunities that we would normally have throughout the year to come and visit home. And so know that as you are there, we are praying for you. We wish that we would be uh, able to be there with you. Uh, but because of everything that's going on, uh, we have to do this virtually. And so I'm grateful uh, that we get a chance to leverage the median of technology to continue to go through the gospel of Jesus Christ and I see what his word says. We've been in a series about the Gospel of John, and I want us to pick up today at John chapter 3, uh, really beginning at verse 25. And today, I want to just share with you something that God has laid on my heart, and that is the two types of people. When you really think about it, the scripture breaks down two different types of people. Scripture breaks down the first category, which is the proud, and then the second category, which is the humble. And as we sojourn through John chapter 3, beginning at verse 25, we see this passage of the gospel really break down this narrative in such an applicable, life-changing, and transformational way. And so let's look at it for a second in John chapter 3, verse 25. It says, Now, a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And I want you to understand this because the Bible is very descriptive that this wasn't some of Jesus' disciples and some of John the Baptist's disciples. This was a person who had saw Jesus on the other side and it came back to John to really ask him a question. And I believe this question that this individual asked John uh, really was not in search for an answer per se, but wanted to see the motive and the heart behind why John did what he did. When we really think about it, uh, a lot of things, a lot of chaos, a lot of friction, a lot of tension in our life uh, can be pinpointed back to a question. If we take it back even further, when we look at Genesis uh, the way that sin was implemented into the world was through a question. And this individual is asking John the Baptist, 
What, what is it that you think about this guy, Jesus? Let, let, let's have a discussion here. As a matter of fact, some translations say that they got into an argument. This individual began to push the disciples of John the Baptist to the point where they didn't have an answer to give him. And so the scripture continues to read in verse 26, and they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, it looks like he's baptizing and there are people going to him. And what begins to happen is they begin to compare what John the Baptist was doing to what Jesus was doing. And I love this because there's something powerful about questions. Questions reveal the heart and the motive behind people. And John the Baptist's disciples begin to ask him these questions. They begin to, to have this discussion. They, they were frustrated. They, they didn't have the answers to give to this Jewish onlooker. And, and they, they have all these different things floating and going through their mind. And I love what John says to them. John says, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to them from heaven. A person cannot do one thing unless it is given to them from heaven. What he's telling them is what I have is different than what Jesus has. What I have is uniquely given to me. What Jesus has is uniquely given to him. And one of the quickest ways to kill contentment is comparison. One of the quickest ways to allow joy to be removed out of our heart and our life is to compare the gifts, the graces, the talents that Jesus has given us to someone else. One of the quickest ways to lose your happiness, to lose your joy, is to look at what someone else is doing. And so look at what John the Baptist tells them. No, no one can do anything except it is given to them from heaven. And he's saying to his disciples, listen, I'm, I'm grateful for the things that God has given me to do, but I'm telling you there, there's something special about Jesus, that there's something different about the one that you are coming to me to talk about. There's something unique about the grace that is on his life. John the Baptist understood. He knew I'm like the best man in this wedding. There's one coming after me that will do greater than I could ever do. There's one coming that will not only baptize in water, but baptize with the Spirit of God. John the Baptist is operating from a place of humility. One of the things that I understand and know is humility intrigues God. It's through humility that we understand the heart of God. Humility is the golden key to receiving anything in life. The point of this affirmation that John gives to the disciples is, is super clear. He says, knowing God has given everything and it comes from heaven. And what Jesus carries is unique, it's different, it's special, but it does not take away 
from what I have done leading up to his arrival. And John the Baptist tells his disciples, let's not compare. Let's celebrate. Let's continue to read in this passage of scripture. In verse uh, 26 again, it says, And they came to John and they said, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bear witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. And John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. This level of humility that John the Baptist is demonstrating is something that I believe we should take note of. As I mentioned before, the Bible breaks down two types of people, those who are proud and operate in pride and those who are humble and operate from the posture of humility. John the Baptist is saying, listen, it is someone coming that is greater than me. They're they're going to do greater works than I've ever done. They're going to demonstrate greater power than I can ever demonstrate. And my job is to point your attention to him. What an incredible humility. And some of the things that I have written down here that we can see, some of the applications that we can extract, pull on, and draw from and apply to our daily lives as it concerns humility is humility decides your mentor. John the Baptist here, he's he's telling his disciples, it's not about me, it's about him. I desire to do what he desires for me to do. I desire to walk with him, that there's something that he carries that we all need, that the only way to to, to understanding a life worth living is found in Jesus. He understood humility decides your mentor. That the second thing that we see here is that goals decide what you learn, but Humility decides how fast you learn. These disciples came to John the Baptist and they're asking him, uh, a rabbi, do, do you understand the person that you are on the other side of the Jordan with? He is now baptizing people. He, he's now uh, coming and doing the same thing that you're doing. And John the Baptist is saying, no, no, he's doing something far greater than I could ever do. He understands that because of who he is, I have a life that's significant and worth living. Goals help us decide what we learn, but it's humility that determines the speed in which we learned it. It would have been easy. And as a matter of fact, if we were to put ourselves in the shoes of John the Baptist, most of us would have immediately compared what we were doing and what we have done to what it was that he was doing. And John the Baptist is saying, no, no, I understand my role. I understand my position. I understand my posture. I understand all these different things. And where do we see in the Bible like this humility? John is demonstrating something that we could all learn and glean from right now. Because society and culture wants us to compare. Society and culture wants us to choose. Society and culture wants us to be divided and split. It wants us to say, you know what? It's us versus them. And John the Baptist is saying there is no us versus them. It's just us. 
When we look at what's going on in our world right now, with politics, with culture, in the news, the narrative is always us versus them. And John the Baptist's disciples came to him and said, that guy that you were with on the other side of the Jordan, he's doing something that is different from us. And John is saying, no, there's only us. I don't desire to be a person that operates in pride, a person that operates proud. I, I desire to live my life from the posture and the standpoint of humility. See, John the Baptist understood that Jesus was sent from God, from heaven to earth for all mankind. And when you understand that like he did, you understand you can't operate from a place of pride because you've received something so great that it's hard to put in the words. And I'm a firm believer that every blessing that we don't turn back into thanksgiving eventually turns into pride. We see John the Baptist here pointing his disciples in the right direction and not allowing them to buy into the narrative. It's us versus them. And he's telling them, listen, it's just us. He is here for us. This level of humility is so unique because humility has the ability to bring recognition to your limitations. John the Baptist understood, I don't have the ability to save. I don't have the ability to heal. I don't have the ability to deliver. I understand my limitations. Humility brings recognition into our lives to understand our limitations. John is telling his disciples, listen to me, there's one that is here that is greater than me. I must decrease so that he can increase. What you see in me is only the precursor for what you are about to see in him. Do you understand that there is no us versus them? It's just us. Society wants us to buy into this narrative that difference is bad. Difference is wrong. When you really think about it, there's only a few categories that we really think about difference in that way with. Politics, race, food. For some of us, certain food, but difference and variety is a good thing. There's very few times I go into an ice cream parlor and look at the different flavors and I say, Man, this is horrible. This is, this is all bad. I look at the different variations and I look at the varieties. I say, I want some of that. I'll take a little bit of that. I have that flavor. Pile that on. Throw some sprinkles, some chocolate chips. The more variation for certain things, the better. And John the Baptist is telling his disciples, listen, this difference is a good thing. What he is bringing to us is life changing. It's life transformative. It is going to set you up for a win. There is no thing that should bring the vision between what he's doing and what it is that I've been doing. This humility that he has allows him to recognize his own limitations. 
What is it that you need humility in right now? Well, what is it that you need to operate from a place and a posture of humility in right now to recognize your limitations? Humility is the ability to acknowledge what you lack. John the Baptist is telling his disciples, listen, there's some things that I can do. There's some things that I can't do. And the things that I can't do, that's what Jesus is here for. Let's continue to read down this passage of scripture and see what he continues to say. He says in verse 27, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. Verse 29 says, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him and rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. What he's saying is, I am here to set up what you are about to see. I am here to set up what it is that you are about to experience. And he continues, therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must also decrease. See, humility is revealed by your response to greatness. I'll say it again. Humility is revealed by your response to greatness. This all started with the confrontation. It all started with the question. It all started really with an argument for these people that have seen John the Baptist do the things that he had been given by God to do. And now they're seeing Jesus operate under a mantle, under a grace, under a gift that they have never seen before. And they're comparing the two. And John the Baptist is saying, no, no, don't compare. Let's celebrate. But what I'm here to do it set Jesus up for what it is you're about to experience in him. And I love what it says. It says, he who comes from above is above all. He, he desires for them to connect to Jesus. John understood his role in relation to Jesus to be that of the best man to the groom at a wedding. John instructed those that had supported and followed his ministry that Jesus must be greater while I must become less. John taught his disciples that their connections to Jesus determines life itself. This is why connection is so important. And I believe if we learn nothing else in 2020 and the beginning of 2021, we understand the need for connection because we were made for connection. I want you to understand this application. We are made for connection. We're made for connection. So when we're disconnected, we fill a void in our life. And although we are more connected through technology than ever before, I'm also a firm believer that we are more disconnected from the, the, the hearts of humanity than ever before. We gather information so fast that we get information overload and we become numb to certain things that we're supposed to feel the weight of. And John the Baptist is trying to connect him to the weight of Jesus and what he's here for because he understands and he knows that we are made for connection. 
See, connections balance our life. Connections balance our life. As I mentioned to you before, we have not been able to get back to Canada. We haven't been able to get back to the lower mainland because the borders are closed and we feel that disconnect with our family. We, we, we feel the distance of our family. We're grateful for technology. We're grateful that we can FaceTime and Zoom and, and do all these different things to see each other virtually, but there is nothing like connecting with family where you're with them. And there's nothing like being in proximity of the people that you love. See, it's connection that balances our life. It's connections that understand, that help us to understand how important relationships are. And John the Baptist is trying to connect them to what Jesus is doing. Because he understands it's also through connections that you get strength. He says, he who comes from above is above all, verse 31. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. But he who comes from heaven speaks the language of heaven. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. In verse 31, he, he helps us to understand that he did many things and his independent testimony of Jesus was that he was heavenly. His origin was not from this world. He, he was different. He was set apart. John the Baptist helps us to understand the significance of who Jesus is by labeling him as heavenly. We see in verse 32 through 33 that Jesus also preached a heavenly message from God. And John points the attention of those that follow him to what Jesus is doing. Verse 33 says, whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this that God is true. 34 says, for he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. He gives the spirit without measure. He understands that there is something that I have that's what you need. I love this. It says, the father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. I want you to understand this and know this because it's so significant. The difference of our life it's whose hands we put our life in. If we keep things in our own hands, it's only so much that we can do with it. 
But if we put our life in the hands of Jesus, just as John the Baptist was pointing his disciples to do, follow him, look at what he's doing. I want you to search him out. I want you to take note. I want you to notice the difference between what it is that he is here for and what it is that I've already done. He understands the significance of placing your life in the hands of Jesus. There's value in understanding the difference your life can take, and the difference your life can make when you place them in the hands of Jesus. You place a golf club in my hand, I'm gonna go outside, I'm gonna cut some grass. Every other try I may hit the ball, but if you place a golf hand in the hands of Phil Mickelson, He's going to win you some PGA tournaments. You place a basketball in my hands, I'm going to score some points and I'm going to grab some rebounds. I'm going to get some assist, play through high school, play a little bit of college ball, and end it right there. But if you place a basketball in the hands of Michael Jordan, he's going to get you six championships. Is going to be known as the greatest of all time. You place a football in my hand, and I, I'm going to throw it around in the yard. You place a football in the hands of Patrick Mahomes. You're going to win a championship and do incredible things. It depends on whose hands you put it in. See, our life in our hands will lead us to destruction. But our life in the hands of Jesus always leads us back to salvation. It all depends on whose hands you put it in. John understood that it's not what I am able to do. It's not what I'm capable of doing. I understand I don't have the power to save. I understand I don't have the power to heal. I understand I don't have the ability to transform your life from the inside out. But if you place your life in the hands of Jesus... He can do far more with it than I ever could. And I know there's some of you watching me right now and you think to yourself, man, my life is pretty good. I've, I've made a pretty good life for myself. I've, I've done all of these different things. I've accomplished all of these different things. And, and for some of us, let's be honest, it may look like you've done those things separate from Jesus. And the reality is those things separate from Jesus are fleeting. They won't last they won't go into eternity with you. And sometimes, and for some of us, oftentimes, we find ourselves serving the only thing that we won't take into eternity with us. And that's our flesh. But if we place our life in the hands of Jesus, he says, not only will I give you an eternity with me in heaven, but I'll give you a life worth living while you're still on earth. I want you to think about this for a second. Who's holding your life right now? Whose hands is your life in? Are you still trying to manage and control your life? Are you still thinking that you are in control? And the reality is it's not until you lose control that you understand you didn't have control in the first place. The reality is you can't fix yourself. 
because you didn't make yourself. And just like this phone or this iPad, it comes with the warranty, it comes with the guarantee that if something was to happen to it within a certain window of time, I could return it to the manufacturer. I could return it to the people that made it and they would fix it and either send me uh, the same uh, instrument, phone or iPad back again or they would send me something new. And the reality is you can't fix yourself because you didn't make yourself. You have to release your life from out of your hands and place it in the hands of Jesus so that he can fix what is broken. John the Baptist understood and he was telling his disciples, I can't fix what's broken in your life, but Jesus can. I want you to pursue him. I want you to follow him. I want you to see how I serve him. I want you to see how I acknowledge and admire how, how great of a gift of God he is. He's not from this place. He's from heaven. He speaks of the heavenly things. He carries the gospel of good news with him and he will do things that I never could do and go places I never could go. He understood. It depends on whose hands you put your life in. I want to read that passage of scripture to you again before I wrap up in prayer. It says, the father loves the son and has given all things into his hands. A little in the hands of Jesus can turn into a lot in the life of the recipient. You may think what you have is insignificant, but Jesus sees it as great. You may look at your life and say, there's, there's no way that Jesus could love me the way that I think and believe he loves other people because of what I've done, but I'm telling you, there's nothing that you have done that could separate you from the love of Jesus. And I want you to think about this for a moment. What is it that you need to place in his hands right now? And step away from pride. Step away from being proud. And step into humility, understanding your limitations understanding your ceiling, understanding what it is that you lack and what it is that you cannot do, and also understanding that there is nothing that he cannot do. His word says there's nothing impossible for those that love him. And so right now, I just want to pray with you. I'm going to pray for you that whatever it is that you're carrying, whatever it is that you've been holding on to, that you step away from being proud, trying to cover it, operating from pride, and release it into his hands. And I don't know what it is specifically for you, but I'm a firm believer that all of us are carrying something that we need to release into the hands of Jesus. And so I want you to get it on the forefront of your mind. I want you to think about it. I want you to make it tangible. And I want to pray with you right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, God, for giving us this opportunity to go through John chapter 3, verse 25 and 36 to see how John the Baptist lived his life in this moment from the posture of humility.
not comparing what it was that he did to what it is that you do, but understanding that his life had to become less so that you could become more. And so right now, God, I ask that you would demonstrate in us the significance of our lives when we place it back in your hands. When we decrease and you increase, our life becomes a life worth living. And so God, whether it's people viewing this and they're hearing this passage of scripture for the hundredth time or whether that's people listening to this and this is the first time, I ask God that you would make yourself so tangible and so real to them that it would be undeniable that they can't live without you. In Jesus' name, amen.